I think passion is the other thing that I forgot to mention. You wind up stumbling through different areas. And then at some point you find that area where you're like, hey, I really enjoy this thing and I want to keep doing more of it and see where it takes me. Brought to you by iLand, this is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with their employees' skill sets when moving to the cloud. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for iLand, and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a fantastic mix of evolving skills. Let's start by having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about employee skill sets in the cloud. Thanks, Brian, for having me, first of all. My name is Ahmad Yunus. I lead the multi-cloud center of excellence team at VMware, where we cover connectivity and workload mobility across all the various uh, VMware clouds. I'm excited about this topic because I feel passionate that you are your your advocate, right? And you have to basically advocate for yourself in regards to growing your skill sets and taking those to the next level. So I'm very passionate about this topic. Hi, thanks for having me on. My name is Amy Collier. And I'm a digital marketing manager at Skylines Academy currently, but I've had various roles on the customer side, enterprise-wide, and then worked at Microsoft for a year and a half. But yeah, I'm super passionate about this topic because I think a lot of people doubt their skills or, you know, is there a place for me or they don't want to pivot their skills to that? And how do you enable a team and how do you get people on board, even just moving to the cloud and then going from there? So this will be fun. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me on. My name is Jack Bailey. I'm the Director of Enablement for Sales and Channel at Island. And really, my role here is to help Island employees and partners understand the cloud and how to solve for customers' challenges through continuous learning and training. So with that background in mind, I'm really excited today to have a conversation on skill sets is kind of what I do daily is see the correlation between training and success with all things, whether it's technical or soft skill based. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining me. Whenever an IT team chooses to change a system or application in the environment, there's always a need to consider enablement, training, and their ability to support the new thing. Doubly so when the cloud replaces a part of on-premises system or application. Many people view these changes as an opportunity to grow, while others may fear their ability to adapt. In my polling at several VMUGs around the country, I found that individuals are quite concerned by this, but they don't think their company is. Jack, is this a legit concern IT professionals should have? And should those professionals fear not having the right skill sets when moving to the cloud? So I think that's a great question, Brian. And to me, there's a few ways to go about addressing it. And I look forward to hearing the other panelists' thoughts as well. I think the first thought for anyone that works in IT is that, to use a cliche term, change is a constant, right? It is the only constant. And in IT, I think it's more so than any other industry I can think of, right? I've had the pleasure of spending years as a network admin, a sysadmin, and a cloud architect before moving more into an enablement role. And I think the simple reality is that challenges are always constant in IT, but how to solve these challenges are ever evolving. So for one, I don't think that IT professionals necessarily would be surprised by having a change and having to adapt skill sets. I do think that I'd have a concern as an IT professional 
with the move to the cloud, uh, there could be challenges to what are we solving for and could my existing skill set and expertise be leveraged in a different capacity? What would that benefit be for myself, for the organization of shifting to the cloud in the first place? And I guess maybe a, an angle on that would be when I think of the headlines of IT, maybe outside of ransomware and malicious behavior, I see that misconfiguration is something that leads companies to make headlines in bad ways, right? You see this in cloud networking, buckets, permissions, and more. And a source for misconfiguration can be tied to the shifting of an IT architecture without proper team training or consideration for architect or for skill sets. So I guess to summarize, skill set compatibility is critical. I think it can also be important that the approach taken in the cloud is compatible, not just with that skill set on the configuration of the environment, but also with the design and goal of the environment as well. But love to hear what the other members of the team think. Oh, sure. I think, well, honestly, I'm surprised that people who are afraid to adopt, because I think if you're in IT, everything changes. Like all of our careers have evolved over time. And, you know, like you said, the solutions to a problem have evolved. So you kind of have to take on a new skill or be open to new ways of doing things. So that adoption, like I, you know, I saw the resistance and hesitance with, you know, well, not to say a big name on here, but VMware, you know, when that took over, people were scared, you know, you can't virtualize SQL. And now it's like, well, now I can't move my stuff to the cloud. What, you know, now I can't control it. I can't hug my server or my app service. Or So I think getting the fear out of people is a good thing too. Like you're not losing your job. You probably do have the skill set. It's just a different add-on to that current skill and have your company invest in you or a partner, like kind of coach you along the way. So I think it's an exciting time to keep up with, the newer technology and keep your skills up to date. So that's just my two cents. I completely agree with both of you. I, I think right now, especially everybody's, you know, talking about cloud, cloud, cloud. And a lot of folks are looking at the skill sets. And to your point, Amy, of like, well, I can't hug my server anymore. Right. I'm used to being in that data center and I rack and stack and I do this. And there's aspects that I can control. And there's that fear, right? You may not be able to control everything once things move to the cloud, but I look at it more as an opportunity that there are some things that I do to my day to day that I no longer have to take care of. For example, you know, rack and stack and cabling. That's no longer something I need to do. And now I can take that time back and leverage that to actually invest in newer skill sets. Automation, for example. Right. How can I take something that I've been doing for years that I have to do on a day to day basis and just make that more into an automated fashion? And now I've kind of accomplished two things. I've gotten that thing that I've had to do over the years manually and, and had to take care of it myself. And I've learned a new skill based off of taking that thing now from a manual process to an automated fashion. So I think. You shouldn't be scared. I think you should embrace it more and think of ways that it can actually help your career from that perspective. Definitely. Yeah. I would also add on top of that, the fact that, you know, Amy, I think you kind of touched on this with, you know, in IT where we should be used to change. And in what I've seen, it's been the people that embrace that change, not necessarily early. I mean, they don't have to be first adopters to really be successful, but you know, not resisting the change can really lead to good career success. I mean, my personal story, my career really opened up when I started in on the VMware side of things. And once that happened, 
I was able to really unlock some new doors and, and some exciting things that really took my career off at that point. Yeah, definitely. I think if you're, like you said, you don't have to be an early adopter, but just open to change and which I always thought was the exciting part of being in IT. Like my job's never going to get boring. I don't want to sit and, you know, push the same button every day. So with ever evolving or automation and virtualization and now cloud, it was just the next step of, you know, excitement, learn new skills and, you know, save time. And, you know, like Ahmad mentioned, you know, if you automate something now, you have more time to do something else, you know. So you're never going to be out of a job if you continue to adopt the technology for our newer problems and the newer technology that we can use to resolve them. Yep, exactly. And Amy, it seems to me that most of the fear that leadership of companies would have comes from having to retrain an entire team. So, you know, it's not just individuals having to learn new skills, but, you know, entire teams having to learn new skills. So I'm curious, are there any clouds that customers should consider that would actually take advantage of existing skill sets and try to reduce that burden? That's funny you mentioned that because I was on that team (laughs) in my career and I was supposed to lead it up. Honestly, as far as cloud selection, it's, I think you look at the current skill sets. I've worked where people have even done like kind of surveys, like, you know, some people don't even realize, oh, you have, you know, you you know, JavaScript. Oh my God. So they find out what people do. Maybe, you know, they're doing it as a side passion. So when adopting a cloud, in my opinion, because <laughs> it could be a hot topic, I think if you're like mostly a Microsoft shop, you know, it makes sense. Azure, you know, the VMware solution on Azure now is really cool. So if you're, you know, you're scared about your VMware team freaking out, you can give them the same, you know, portal per se. And AWS is amazing too, but I see that more like the geeky developer guy, you know, they, it's an easier learning curve for them. So, but getting adoption was really hard, especially up top, because you're not going to save money initially. It's reducing maybe like some of the OPEX on site, but and that racking and stacking, but they want to know, am I saving money right away? It's like, well, no, but we're going to do things maybe more efficiently, or we only need three of us to focus on this now and we can have the other two do something new, work on a new project versus again, no one's losing their job. So, and then investing in the team, like who shows interest, then, you know, I would hate to force someone to learn something new. You know, if they're not open to it, maybe you have to kind of reorg, but I think looking at your team's assets and investing in them is a big deal instead of like just having some other third party come in, slap it in, and then leave it in their hands, then you're kind of setting them up to fail. So this question is a is a bit interesting for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think at the beginning, full disclosure, I, I work for VMware, right? And it's part of the strategy that VMware has right now in having VMware on these clouds, essentially, right? So we're native services to Azure, to AWS, to Google, to Oracle, Alibaba, uh, you know, you got partners like Island. So I feel that, you know, transitioning to the cloud, especially for the ecosystem that has been part of VMware for a long time, has been simplified, right? Before it was, okay, well, how do I re-architect the environment? How do I refactor the applications? Now the good news is I can migrate the workloads initially and then start to look at, okay, do I want to go full cloud native? Do I want to add extensibility to these workloads? So it definitely makes it 
a lot easier than it used to be with a lot of the toolings and the platforms that we have today. I also believe that if you look at, you know, going to the cloud, kind of to Amy's point, like there's a third party coming in and slapping it in for you is not going to help you, right? Because now you're like, okay, now what? Or what did they, did they leave documentation? We don't understand that. But at least here, you have control of your destiny. You as the customer know your environment well enough. So you have a lot of inputs in how to get to the cloud on these solutions. The other thing in the evolution is lifecycle. I don't know about you guys, but having been a longtime VMware admin and done a lot of upgrades in my lifetime, moving to the cloud, it's great because I don't have to worry about a lot of the lifecycle aspects. So that also gives me some time back. Right, The cloud provider will take care of all the upgrades, which includes all the hosts and uh, the hardware and things like that. So for me, that's also, again, time back to invest in me in learning new skills that can help my company. And for me, a lot of that is is looking at some of the extensibility and, and native services that these clouds provide. Because ultimately, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we are migrating to the cloud these days. One thing I wanted to bring up, too, is when picking a cloud, too, you might use AWS and Google or you might mix Azure and Oracle, you know, because you're right, your team knows that application best. So where would it best be suited and who has the right tools to support it? I don't think you have to go all or nothing into one vendor option. Yeah, multi-cloud is a buzzword because it's actually happening because there's real (laughs) business need for it. Well, now you can span across, right? I mean, if if you need it for DR, you can have one cloud as your production, the other is your DR. If your app needs high availability, you can do that. I think ultimately it just comes down to what are your requirements? And does this cloud have those requirements to meet those needs? Are the services available? I think that hasn't changed. I totally agree with Amy and Ahmad on the the sense of selecting a cloud based on use case, right? And as you were just saying, Brian, with the whole multi-cloud topic, definitely as much as we love to play buzz card bingo, right, and sort of be tongue-in-cheek and joke about how buzzworthy that is, it really is being adopted that way, right? People are selecting clouds based on use cases and being strategic about it. So I think that everything Amy and Ahmad said makes a lot of sense there. I also want to echo that really, to me, the services that Ahmad was hinting at a minute ago make a lot of sense as well, right? When companies are looking at moving to the cloud, you know, from a business perspective, strategically, they're thinking about cost savings. That's very often what we're thinking of. And so because of that, they do need to factor skill sets as part of that into it, right? I want to say that an organization needs to fear training employees. They need to embrace it, as Amy and Ahmad were saying earlier, but they do need to factor that in. And part of that skill set as with anything with an organization, can be the decision to bring that skill set internally, outsource that, or use a third-party type resource for that. And, you know, full disclosure, as, as Maude mentioned, he works for VMware. I work for a VMware-based cloud service provider with Island. And one of the benefits I see to working with a VMware-based service provider is typically in the onboarding, the support, the services that an organization may not want to build themselves in-house or may not have the skill set. You know, when you work with an organization that moves thousands of companies to the cloud each year versus doing it in-house, there are an inherent expertise of doing something thousands of times versus doing it yourself. So that, to me, is what organizations need to look at. It's not fearing it, but just making an informed decision on where to spend their budgetary resources to gain those skill sets, whether it's in-house or outsourcing or leveraging an organization that brings that expertise to them. That should be part of the consideration. Yeah, I love that because it is part of the mix of things. And, you know, we're talking about one single topic here and I've got 18 other episodes about all these other things that 
cause concerns and, and a lot of them do have cost aspects to them that go along with it. So it's, you know, it's a complete picture that people need to keep in mind when they're looking at moving to the cloud. But Ahmad, you've faced a lot of different refocusing of skill sets, particularly with virtualization and cloud. And I know there's a whole bunch in between those. But if you were to advise an IT professional on how they can build skill sets that will lead to success in the cloud, what would you include in that advice? Oh, wow. There's a lot. I think for me, I, I've been fortunate throughout my career, you know, starting out as a customer when VMware was actually starting out was new and exciting, right? And I was fortunate enough in my career that the company I was working for at the time, we started looking at, you know, infrastructure, you know, ESX and virtual center at the time instead of vCenter, right? Man, I'm starting to feel old. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had the opportunity to grow and learn during that time. And then later on in my career, take those skill sets and uh, work for a, a partner. And throughout that time, what I started doing, I mean, there weren't a lot of blogs during that time because VMware was fairly new. There was very few. So a lot of it was depending on you kind of diving in and, and learning on your own. Uh, I was fortunate that, that I had a small lab. And later on, I basically built my home lab that allowed me to break things and, and learn how to fix them. So I would say, you know, investing in, in you is an important aspect to growing your career in a sense of if you can afford to do it, get a home lab. It doesn't have to be huge. I mean, I've seen people do things now with Raspberry Pis who actually have cabinets full of gear within their home. And I, I don't know if home data center is a thing, but uh, kudos to those folks uh, who can <laughs> afford to do it. Now, on the other aspect, if you can't afford to do something like that, I think in today's age of technology, there is a lot of learning resources out there. And, and for me, I one of the reasons I started blogging was as I was working on things, I wanted to be able to kind of have a way to go back and remember like, okay, how did I do this? And if it helps somebody else along the way, great. So, you know, jumping into something like blogging or reading other people's blogs is a good way to enhance your skill sets. A lot of the cloud providers nowadays also have free learning. So I know AWS has it, Microsoft has it with their Microsoft Learn, VMware, of course, has it. I believe Oracle does, Google. So there's always a way to get some free learning. It may not be as deep as you want it, but it gives you a good starting point to learning. And then I think the last piece of this would be the communities. Every one of these cloud providers has some sort of community. So for VMware, uh, we have VMUG. And for me, getting involved in VMUG opened my eyes. It allowed me to actually start presenting. Those of you who know me for many years know that when I first started, I, there was no way you'd get me up in front of anybody to present. And VMUG has, uh, I heard you laughing, Amy. VMUG, uh, <laughs> VMUG uh, helped me, you know, uh, get in front of people and present. Uh, so that helped me improve. And I've made a lot of connections through VMUG and through, you know, the industry. I mean, Brian, that's how I, I met you. And it's helped me pay back in helping also the community uh, learn. So, you know, producing some of the content that I produce or when somebody reaches out and asks a question via DM, I'm able to help them out. So, I mean, long story short, there's plenty of resources out there. If you're willing to look and if you're also curious, you can also, you know, dive in as deep as you'd like or as broad as you'd like. And if, if you're not familiar with those, you know, I would say just reach out to somebody and they'll point you in the right direction. Especially as an employee. I mean, that reminds me like career-wise 
a wise man once told me to carve out like, let's say 20% of my time of my day for learning new skills. Like don't just do your job, but also learn new things. And I think having a leader that understands that, like to allow you to grow and not have to always sacrifice that work-life balance with your family is an important thing as well. And then like Ahmad said, the communities are amazing. Like I was really into the VMware community. I did some V brown bags as well and some V mugs where I don't like presenting either. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's come a long way, but, um, and then going into the Azure community where everyone embraces you or even like the DevOps days and whatever you want to learn, it is out there. Someone's blogging about it or there's a meetup or that's what's great is that they've grown so much. Like before, I mean, it might have just been like Duncan's blog or something, but now you have so many people just contributing with an error they've encountered or a situation or now, you know, we can throw in some more buzzwords that we discussed earlier, but there's really no excuse to not learn. It's either like through the vendor site, like Ahmad mentioned, or somebody's blog, or you just picking up that book or signing up for a course or, you know, or your partner has maybe like training hours and they have someone who's knowledgeable and you just shadow them while they do something. You know, there's so many ways to do it. So... I think it's good for people to look for different opportunities to learn. You know, one thing that you said that resonated with me, especially, is the whole having the right leader and, and making sure that uh, your team can also grow. Basically, iron sharpens iron, right? Mm-hmm. So within my team, what we've set up is kind of a few things for folks who want to learn, let's say, automation. So we have one guy who, who leads it and basically will give uh, the other folks homework assignments. And the goal is to get everybody within the team up to a particular level. And then after that, they can go forth and excel there. And we'll tackle like a various project. So that way we have a goal to look forward to and, and uh, you know, work towards that with these new skill sets. Same thing with networking because cloud, of course, requires connectivity. So networking is a big piece and, and anything else. So that's what we're trying to do here is encourage each other and the folks who have those skill sets can help train and bring those other folks to speed and just basically cross train each other as a team. That way, everybody has the right skill sets and and continues to grow and look at it from different lenses. That's really cool. Yeah, we had lunch and learns that reminded me in my old place. So yeah, it's a great way to get your team involved. Yeah, some awesome thoughts. I mean, I totally agree with what Amy and Amab were saying around Working at a company where possible that embraces it, looking at free resources at a vendor or technology you leverage today, right? But to me, the biggest thing in working and learning as a profession right now is there are so many different things you can learn in IT, even just on the cloud in general, which is what the question was focused on. And and really finding a project or a purpose or something that inspires you to begin that journey for learning is one of the biggest things I suggest as well, right? When you have the proper motivation or inspiration for it, you're that much more likely to do all the great things my name you just mentioned of seeking out guidance from other people and joining those groups and getting the information because it can be daunting, honestly, to start. Just finding a good motivation and passion for it is, is a really good starting point. Yeah, I would give that exact same advice. One of my very first virtual machines I spun up in AWS was to support creating bots within Slack. You know, we just had an area where we had fun and, and one person created a simple little bot that all they did was once a day posted something off of a public API. I think it was a, some sort of quote that would be automatically post. 
And so I said, hey, I could take that and do some fun stuff. And I built that. And then, you know, it was also to help me learn a little bit of Python along the way. And it slowly grew to the point where I said, hey, let's get out of my home lab and run it on AWS. So make it fun is the thing I would add there is find something that's fun to do, something that's going to excite you so that when it's time to end work for the day, you get called to dinner, you go to dinner, sit down, eat. What am I going to do this evening? Hey, I have a good idea about what to do on that project. You flip open your laptop and work on it. That can be detrimental if you take it too far, but it definitely engages you and convinces you to keep going forward. You know, I think at the end of the day, too, is don't be afraid to ask your employer, especially nowadays in COVID. Uh, we have training budgets and, and some of them, you know, were used for traveling to different conferences and events. Ask if you're able to use that for some sort of online training or it never hurts to say, hey, are you willing to buy me a couple of nooks? I want to be able to build this lab and do the following things. And by me learning these things, it's going to pay itself forward to the company because now I, I kind of understand this better and I can't really do this in our production environment. I mean, you shouldn't do it in your production environment, of course, but you know, uh, at least when I was a customer, our labs within our environment, we really couldn't do some of the things we wanted to do because we had to test similar to what was in production. So again, don't feel shy to reach out to your employer and say, hey, can you invest a little bit of funds so I can do this? And also don't be shy to invest in yourself. At the end of the day, it's your career and, and you should feel empowered to be able to, you know, if you got to spend, I don't know, a few hundred bucks to do something, I think it will pay itself forward in several ways in the future. You may not see it now, but it definitely will. At least for me, I, I can speak for myself. It has all the effort and time that I've invested in myself it's paid itself a hundred times forward, not only in my career, but for my family and, and things like that. So never be afraid to do that for yourself. Definitely. And you can always spread the knowledge too. So if your boss invests in you and now you can teach the team, so you can also offer that. Cool. Well, this has been a great conversation. You know, I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was, you know, take any opportunity you can to learn and grow both at work and on your own. It's going to benefit both sides in the end. So a little bit here and a little bit there is going to help a lot. And really what it comes down to is IT is all about evolution of technology and our skills. And resistance to that change is honestly going to self-limit you. So look to change as a way to really grow both yourself and your career. And look for all these exciting new opportunities that are happening today. There's no lack of technologies for you to choose and, and decide to go with that are different than they were five years ago. Keep in mind what you can do to free yourself up to do new things. When, as a team, you're looking at what to do, it's important to catalog and understand the team's skill sets. And those skill sets may be soft skills. They may even be non-job related skills that can be brought to bear. And that really is going to help the team as a whole to really understand where everybody's coming from, what their hobbies are, what their interests are. You know, you may find somebody that has a skill that is super necessary in the next evolution of your infrastructure that you didn't know about if you don't ask. So make sure that team gets the proper skills on top of that then to manage successfully and don't let someone else go off and do it by themselves and not share that knowledge, not share the understandings of how we got to where we're going, which of course is going to help people go forward because there's nothing worse than managing an environment that you know nothing about. And when determining the total cost of cloud, you know, keep this training in mind and make sure you're keeping that as part of the total cost of ownership because there is a cost involved in it, whether it's just people away from working on things 
or actually, you know, investing in training resources. And then finally, you know, as you're learning, blogging helps. I know that helped me as well was to force myself to learn it better, not just fix the problem, but why did this problem actually occur? Or, you know, what did I really do to do this document it? Blogging has been a big thing for me. And I know it was for Mod as well to grow that and, you know, make sure I understood things better. And then taking that knowledge and then presenting it and teaching others, you know, become a mentor for somebody else who's on the path behind you, because that will always sharpen your skills, will always make you better at that. And will, of course, encourage each other to continue growing both within your own team at work and, you know, talking to others in the community. You may help somebody, somebody else may help you and take that time to learn new skills and really consider it an investment in your future. So take the time starting now to do that. But with that, it's time to finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. So thank you to Jack, Amy, and Ahmad for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Brian, luckily you picked a career where uh, things become relics in seven to 10 years. So good, good compatibility. I can go downstairs and find that computer that I, I built 10 years ago and be like, wow, there's enough dust on here to pretend like it's in the dirt. Yeah. That's it, man. You can it, dig. It, I could rebuild it. Look, these parts, they're like bones. Yeah. And then maybe O'Hare will put it in the middle of the airport. <laughs>